0: I am your host, Diana Curtis. I'm gonna get right into the topic and introduce you to my guest. We're gonna dive right in because we have a very thought provoking conversation that will unfold. And my guest today is, he's gonna be sharing about his grief story and how he dealt with it. And he's also agreed to do two parts. So part one, that's what we're talking about. Part two, I'm going to leave it as a surprise for you right now. So let me introduce you to my guest, Barry Selby. Barry is a best-selling author, a spiritual guide, a sought-after inspirational speaker, and relationship attraction expert. He's a passionate champion for the divine feminine helping women own and express their feminine magnificence in love and in the world he also helps strong successful women create balance in their life their love and their business and he has a master's degree in spiritual psychology 20 years as a spiritual counselor and more than 30 years of experience Helping thousands learn to love themselves and live in wholeness. Wow, that gives me chills just saying it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so welcome, Barry. Thank you for showing up today.
1: My pleasure. I'm kind of getting chills having you read it back to me. I was like, did I write that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your reality. It's interesting you would say that. I did an interview with someone today and when she read my bio to me, I'm like, "Wow, that feels really, really good to have someone mirror back to you who you are." Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, not everything you said is true. It's not that's not that's not just something I wrote for the fun of it. I mean, that's documenting what I've done over the years and who, who I am. So, but it still feels like, wow, yeah, I have done that. You know, I didn't I didn't earn this gray hair just by living.
0: Exactly. <laughs> So again, welcome, Barry. I am so glad that you're here to talk to us about your grief, your grief experiences. And you and I have talked a little bit, but I would love for you to share with our listeners just kind of a brief intro, and then we'll get into the conversation about some of your heartbreaks around grief and loss.
1: Sure. So as you said in my intro, I am a love and relationship expert. That's my primary focus. In parallel to that, I've also been in the personal development field development for over 35 years and along the way became a spiritual counselor. So it's an interesting complement, I would say, that to the work I do. And so in the work is in relationships. A lot of my work is helping my clients heal the baggage they've collected in past relationships because I certainly did that myself. So I'm definitely teaching from what I've learned and have quite a big tool chest, shall we say resources to help my clients, to help myself. So,
0: yeah, I love that you said you're you're teaching what you need to learn. I think you know that's what we're all doing.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and also a lot of things I've actually learned, you know, in some ways the hard way, and learned how to do it a lot better, which is why I love to help other people figure it out as well. Yes,
0: yes. So share with us, um, maybe one of your most compelling grief story
1: well just just for transparency um my mother passed away in 2012 my father passed away about October in October last year so 2021 that was nine years after my mom passed away I've done a lot of work healing my relationship with my parents so I didn't deal with that after they passed they did it before they passed which made things a whole lot easier to be transparent Mm -hmm. my mother was the most impactful because she's the one I was closest to and with my mother, I got to go back to England to see her when she got sick, and she was she was suffering what's called motor motor neuron disease, which is like Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a it's a nervous system destruction, I would say, of the body. And so when I went back to see my my mum and dad in 2012, around actually it was in July, it was right before the Olympics were in London. As, well as I remember, yeah. So all the signage was up and everything before they started. So when I went to see my my parents, my dad was was with my mom. She, he went to be with her in the nursing home. That was my most emotional experience, I would say, because when she passed, she actually she got st- sick in February that year and she passed away in October. But when I, got, when I got the message from my brother she passed away, it was almost like a relief because I knew she was suffering so much. And so when I saw her in that process, when, she, when her body was getting a lot thinner and she couldn't talk anymore because the nervous system had shut down, like she couldn't even swallow, so she had to be on her food, uh, feeding tubes she was totally present, which is the front. I mean, it's almost like being trapped in a cage. Like I could sense she was there because she would write notes. Yeah. with My dad. And, but her facial expression was kind of, you know, she, she could, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, looking back now is she could communicate with her eyes, but basically she couldn't move her mouth hardly at all. And, she, and it's, and it was kind of embarrassing too, because my mom and my father were rather proper, you know, so to speak. And the yeah. fact she couldn't like, she had to use the Kleenex all the time to keep, keep the saliva from getting all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the first time I've seen because the scene before that, the last time I saw her was mm, several years before that when I went to see him on their anniversary and she was fully in health, you know, older, but fully healthy. So to see her this way was the most debilitating, devastating experience for me, though, thankfully because of all the work I've done and because I do a lot of spiritual counseling work, even then I was somewhat able to center myself at the same I mean I was there was like two things going on. I was centered, but I was still feeling everything at the same time. And it was challenging, no argument, but it was also a gift because I got to really feel the love that I had for my mom. Yeah. My dad too,
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. so I actually went through my grief experience then more than when we went to the funeral. Yeah. So
0: so it was before the finality of uh, her transitioning and going to the other side, wherever, you know, we go, right? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, well, I have a whole I have a whole perception on perspective on that experience because I've had enough learnings, new <laughs> mm. experiences and other things. So I know, I, I believe in more than just we're here from when we are born to when we died. So I don't have a fear about that part. Right. That's what reason I think why I was grieving so much about seeing my mother not be who she was. That was the most challenging piece. Because, again, she was the one I was closest to. And so when she passed, it was almost like a blessing because she was free of the pain. Actually, it wasn't so much pain. She was free of the limitation. That's probably more accurate. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was for me was what was so interesting to grow to grow through, because I mean it was not easy. Right. But when back to the funeral, you know, my dad was more upset than me and my brother. I mean, my parents have been together 60 years when she passed. So it wasn't a, wasn't a short term thing. Sorry, I'm just thinking of some stories I should tell but No, that's out, of, that's out of school. I want to talk about that. There's some kind of dynamic stuff that doesn't belong in this conversation. <laughs> but let's just say that um, he was more challenged by what happened than we were. Right. partly because they were together 60 years. And my brother and I both gone through our own versions of grief during my mother's decline.
0: Yeah. You used some very interesting phrases. And one that sort of stood out for me was, the experience was like seeing your mother trapped in a cage.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: even though you had this experience as a spiritual counselor and you have the tools and the techniques to stay centered, there was still that, is it accurate to say the, the tossing, the, you know, the pulling I'm in pain, but yet I have this center that I'm, I can go to share with, the listeners a little bit about that, the
1: tug, the tug. Well, I would say, I would, I would guess for most people, it's definitely true for me, that when a parent is passing away or has passed away, the kid in us is is the part that gets hit most by that because, you know, when we're kids, our parents are immortal. I mean, as far as we're concerned. I mean, generally speaking, I, know, I actually know a couple of friends of mine who lost parents when they were young, but in terms of for most of us who had parents through our adult years, Right. So I know in that moment, what was really was the was my a young boy inside of me was just grieving because he was seeing that that feeling. And when I say trapped, I mean it's like my mother's body was betraying her; like she couldn't have mobility and freedom, or even ability to talk, because her body was betraying her. And it was such a I, could, I mean, I could I could witness that, and I could sense that. And that's what hit me the most because I couldn't do anything about it. That's that was probably the biggest piece: mm-hmm. It's not being able to do anything to change things.
0: Right. You
1: know, I could try and cheer her up, but that was, it felt so, so futile in a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? So what did that actually look like in your life as this was unfolding? How did you deal with the losses, whether it was a beginning and it was loss of mom's health and normalcy as you knew her as yeah. all put together and beautiful how did you deal with the loss without losing yourself in the process?
1: Um, well, thankfully, again, I've done a lot of work over the years for my relationship with my mom and my dad, and having done the spiritual work as well. It was, I can say this. I mean, the the, the metaphor I use, which sounds so simplistic, and I, a friend of mine who talks about this together quite often, is that we have this, we, we believe, her and I, that when we come into this world, when we're born, it's like we're given a rental car, which is this body, and then we drive this rental car through life. And at the end of our life, we give the car back, and then we leave this form. Mm-hmm. I believe that we don't, we don't, we don't start when we're born, and we don't end when we die. We go on. And I've had some glimpses with some people I know who can connect to that—that that my mother and my dad are back together again on the other side. Mm. So, so that awareness, even though it doesn't fix the emotional experience right underlies everything for me and so during that time I said when my mom got sick when I was grieving most because I could because that's when I, I, I was viscerally feeling the loss when she actually died there was a sense of relief and peace yes there's still some tears but I was at peace with it. one because I think be, that was six months later so I've been going through this journey of grief through the whole time what I know about grief mechanically. i would say that in quotes, but grief basically is not something we can predict. The way that somebody else talks about grief to me was that grief is like the ocean waves. They're not systemized. They're not structured. They're not things you can predict. They they come in when they come in and the emotions of grief land when they land. And so at least I knew that ahead of time, which is one of the blessings I've studied some work on this. And when it happened to me, I didn't judge any of that. I just was okay with it. So feeling the, the sadness, the anger the frustration the resignation all these different things I just was like oh I know what this is yeah so I was okay with it. so it, it was like it, it lowered the the battle inside of me yeah to fight against it or to say I should be better than this I'm spiritual I know but like I'm also human you know so that was the acceptance of the experience and that's what it was I mean I didn't look mm-hmm. solid through go tears solidly I just had um moments
0: yeah I really really love that I love how you said that the grief actually grief is in charge right it comes yeah. and it goes and when you don't judge it and you just befriend it and be with it be aware of it and accept it it's so much easier than the resisting and pushing it down so that you push it down it just recycles itself over and over and over right yeah. I also love that you said, well, you didn't say it this way, but I believe too that death is not the end. It's the end as we know our loved ones, right? In the physical, but it's a new beginning in both cases on this side and wherever our loved ones go. It's a new beginning. Something new is forming. And that's the process of grieving, you know? Right. The newness of it.
1: The, the reason. Yeah. Sorry, something, something on that I want to say because a friend of mine who's a, who's a channel said this to me once and it just landed for me is basically that once the person has passed away that to hold on to the grief because again we can't control the grief but if we want to if we feel like somehow the grief is important to honour the person that somehow if we're grieving that means we love them she said no so that's the thing. Grief means we are tied into their death not to who they are. Love it's what ties us to who they are yeah. after they've passed. And when she yeah. said to me that that clarification was like, oh my God, it was so like profound and, and it made sense totally. Yeah. Because grief isn't about them on the other side. Grief is about the moment we lost them. Right. And right. That's, where, that's where the wounding prolongs if we don't let it go. Because as you said, like, you know, we're not in charge, grief is. But when we try to control it or like maintain it or say, I've got to be grieving because it shows that I was a dutiful son type thing that's baloney. That doesn't help anybody.
0: Right, right. And I tend to tell my clients that because there's a, a a big component of visioning in my programs. You know, once you lose someone, you really start looking around at your life and realize that you have more years behind you than in front of you. And then you start thinking about, well, what am I going to do with myself? What would I like to do differently? And that's a lot of time they begin to shift the way they're holding the loss, still love, but love their loved one and the experiences, the memories more than they love the pain of it all. So you shift what the, the focus. I'm honoring my, actually, I'm one of those people who experienced early loss. Mom died when I was three. So I get to honor her. I get to build this legacy around her by helping others who are grieving, especially daughters, you know, yeah, young absolutely. girls who've lost their mom. So, yeah, I've reframed the whole story. It still hurts, but I embrace the love more than I embrace the pain.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I'm speaking to uh, the love doctor. So you definitely understand that, right?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> you absolutely.
0: understand that. So what took you the longest to learn as you were going through all of this process? So you didn't get to where you are today or that centeredness immediately watching mom leave you, but what took you the longest to learn during that entire process? Wow.
1: I didn't, I've not actually gauged or measured that type of thing, to be clear.
0: The things that you repeated over and over and over and recycling, even though it was painful, you still did that same thing over and over and over.
1: The only, I, I thank, Thankfully, again, because I've done a lot of inner you know, work with my parents, I didn't carry that as much. The only thing I would be aware of was there was shop and it, and it was, I mean, the amount of it was so much smaller than it could have been, thankfully. So I'm grateful for that, was I? I definitely had this... Wished I had. Like, if I had the time, I wish I'd done this or said this or that sort of thing. That's the biggest regret I think a lot of us carry when we lose somebody is the regret mm-hmm. of what we didn't get to communicate with them. And so I reson, I recommend, recognize that, but it wasn't. It didn't last forever, thankfully, because again, I've done I've done a lot of work to resolve it with my parents, and I've done, I've had communication with them to sort of complete anything that was un- incomplete. And in fact, I I had a reading, a channel reading after Mama passed away. And I was, t- I was told by the person doing the reading that, you know, my mother was definitely, could, she, could see me more clearly now than she could before when she was alive. Because yeah. she, she was being transcendent. Yeah. So apparently goes, oh, oh what she's seeing? You know, because <laughs> give it notes. But no, <laughs> she she really gets what I'm about. And she loves what I'm up to. And that was such a real That was almost like a confirmation of all the work I've done. Mm. But so free, you know.
0: Yeah. So is there... Any one particular thing you would share with my listeners about practicing love in the process of grieving?
1: I would strongly suggest that you focus on all the wonderful memories that you had as the first step, because it's. And again, I know for you, said you know your mother passed only the three. That's a different story, but for people, if you if you're older and you've had your parents or loved one that passed away, is. Yes, you may be feeling that vacuum or that gap in your life because they're no longer here. But the thing is, you have a whole, hopefully, a whole catalogue of experiences before that you can reflect on that are uplifting, joyful, happy. If they weren't, you want to get some, then listen to the story and get some you know, get some help, get some counsel. Right. But for me was that I did get a chance to look back and and really be grateful for the family I grew up in. You know, after a dad, especially just to go, you know, I much as I miss them both. I feel grateful because of what that family dynamic made me into. Yeah. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. You know, it wasn't amazing. There were issues, but I'm grateful because I'm grateful for who I am now. So I, I'm definitely grateful for where I came from.
0: Yeah. Gratitude is the key, right?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> Gratitude
0: <laughs> is the key. You know, you can't be grateful for something and angry for something, you know, it's either one or the other. You know, they can't both be in that same space. So gratitude just cover up everything and have it just dissipate. So I I love, love that. Uh, You mentioned a brother. Yeah. I lost my brother last year, April 30th. And it's been interesting. And there was some anticipatory grief because he was ill for a little bit. And it's been interesting because... I'm a grief counselor and I do this work, but it's been interesting watching how we, my siblings have dealt with this. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who, because I understand I'm not afraid of death and I understand the grieving process. So I want to talk about it. That's not so true with the other siblings. So I'm just interested in knowing, could you share a little about sibling grief?
1: Well, my brother's four years younger than me and he's happily married with a daughter and lives in Italy. So we haven't actually seen each other since my since my mother's funeral in 2012. So we haven't seen each other for a while. We talk a lot, we communicate. My perception of him, because we don't talk about this so much, is that he's much more stoic than I am. You know, he's much more like emotionally... <laughs> he's less expressive than I am, I'll say that much. I've done I've done. a lot, as I said, I've done a lot of work and I've been I also lived in the States for many years. So my... Emotional transparency is more available, I think, than if I'd stayed in England. And I think that back, back where I was coming from, we we were much more suppressed emotionally. My dad modeled that emotional suppression, so I, you know, so I believe it was the case when I left England. So my brother and I, I think, handle things differently. I don't know how his grief journey is. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. And he hasn't done, the, he has not followed the path I followed. So we he and I haven't talked about the the loss of our parents except except the fact that he's the one that's been handling the records and the financial stuff from my dad. Now that my dad's passed away, whatever's left over for us to split. He's handling all of that because he's he's t- he's only one hour difference time zone-wise. As you've been taking care of me, it's eight hours difference. And he's frankly more business savvy than I am. <laughs> so I'm like, you can take that. Yeah. So it, his I know in our in talks back and forward, he's definitely had some anger with my, the way my dad, did, dad didn't do things well. So it's been a lot of judgment on his side of things. And I, and I would say that that's probably flavored by the grief as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. So is there anything you would like to share about your father? We've talked about mom a lot and what that experience was like for you.
1: I learned a lot from my father. <laughs> Not always good. But he was he was the patriarch of the family, and it was kind of like his way. It was his way of doing things. That's the way it's going to be. And if it hadn't been for the way he raised me, I would never have chosen the path that I'm on. And it's not a good thing necessarily, but because of what happened, I was seeking something else. So it was a blessing that happened in a way. The thing is, for, he he basically after my mom passed, went to 2012. He didn't leave the, the apartment they had together. I mean, he basically, after my brother moved out, they sold the house and moved to an apartment, a smaller place on the South Coast. But once she passed away, it's like the, the life went out of him. So for nine for the nine years since then, for six of those, he basically lived in his apartment and took care of himself minimally, like TV dinners and watched the TV. That was all he did. He, did, he basically didn't live, really. Yeah. And then he got to a point where he couldn't take care of himself. So he went into the same nursing home my mother was in originally. And I think it was about three years. I could be wrong. Two or three years. We basically was in the nursing home the whole time. And then February of last year, it we, and then we talked, we, talk, we called every week and check in, but it was like the last few months of that the conversation became very mundane and very simplistic because he wasn't very present. And then in February, he was stopped talking. So from February through to October, it was nonverbal. And he he never learned email, barely. So we didn't talk about that. We didn't communicate that way. You know, he was, he was in his 90s. So he had a long life. I suspect that if his body hadn't been as strong as it was, he would have died right after my mother passed away. But his body wasn't going to let him, So he was around for another nine years.
0: Right. And what was that experience like for you emotionally as you're watching the dynamics, almost a repeat not exactly the same but the right. same nursing home and what was that like
1: um you know what well and again because geographically he was back in england i wasn't over there i was here okay. in california so we, i wasn't spending time with him during that time i did see like um photograph uh, pictures and video clips that the nursing staff took of him like when he had his birthday back in july took a little video clip and it's like you know he looked like a rather angry Father Christmas back then, with a big white beard and and, and what what hair had left was down there. So he was very unkempt. So the challenge for me was the, the the contrast between who he'd become and who I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, and those two and it was discordant. I I remember when I was a kid, yeah, you know, my dad was was in charge. He wasn't a big tough guy, but he was strongly in his presence of who he was, and that disappeared or dissipated rather. Yeah. So. In that last six, eight months, I was, I mean, I let go again. I'd done all the work clearing things out many years ago. Those last six months, it was just witnessing in a way. And I just, and my brother, and my brother said this to me once. We said, you know, we were waiting for him to go. Yeah. He wanted to go too, but his body wasn't dying. (laughs) So it was like all three of us were waiting for him to leave. Yeah. no.
0: I love how you honor your father by saying If he had not been the father that he was, you would not be the person you are. And it wasn't always good. So that that element of gratitude for your father, regardless of what the childhood was like or what happened, and you've used that to become the Barry that you are, right? And find some lessons and gifts and everything. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. That is beautiful. So, wow, time just really flows really, really fast. And I'm going to just say to the listeners, there will be a part two. So you don't want to miss part two. You really don't want to miss part two because Barry's going to be giving us ladies uh, some of his secret sauce for creating more love in our life. That is accurate, right, Barry? Yeah. So you do not want to miss what's coming up for part two. And Barry, I thank you for just sharing with my listeners your story around grief. We all have it. We all have it. And I was struck by what you said, that your culture suppresses emotions. That's everywhere. It's everywhere. We think one generation is better than the next. But no, we're just so much alike that we cannot even don't even want to look at the fact that we are so much alike in terms of our our journey and our life experiences. So thank you for sharing. Thank you very, very much. As I said, listeners do not miss part two. So in the meantime, I will see you next week and you will hear part two of what Barry has to share as the love doctor. In the meantime, just keep on growing and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.